Well, on today's broadcast, you're going to hear the message entitled, The King's Meat. That's right, The King's Meat. We're going to make a stand against the hypocrisy that is evident within the walls of the church. Believe me, you don't want to miss not one part of today's message. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, The King's Meat, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Thank y'all for making it so easy on me today. Daniel, the first chapter. Let's go for a few moments. Daniel, the first chapter. And we're going to speak from the subject, subject today of the king's meat. The king's meat. And you'll understand what this is as, as we go further on uh, in this direction. Daniel, the first chapter. Daniel, of course, is in the Old Testament. Are you there? We'll be reading, we will be reading out of, the, um, out of the King James Version today. Now, this is quite lengthy, so we won't get to it all today, but that is okay because we're starting on this. Uh, the book of Daniel, the first chapter, uh, is actually our themed verse for the entire year, for the entire year. So uh, be ready for this. It starts like this, Daniel, the first chapter, verse number one. In the third year of the reign of um, Jeho um, Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, a king of Babylon unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, into his hand with the part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels unto the treasure house of his God. All right. God gave the children of Israel messed up again. They sinned and God knocked, he broke the hedge or really the people of God did it. Uh, they broke the hedge and the enemy came in, Nebuchadnezzar, and he besieged Jerusalem. He set up a hedge against it, a stronghold against the city, and he uh, took over. And he took some of the treasures, the gold and silver, out of the temple of God. And he took it into the gods of, into, the, into his temple God's house, Okay. Now, there are several gods in Babylon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, of course, is the king of Babylon. Several gods. One god is Nebo. We're going to see this here. And, and um, there's another god called uh, uh, Sheak. Uh, we're going to talk about that, too, as we go on. But we're, let's go on. Uh, verse number three says, And the king spake until um, Ashpenash, uh, the king of his eunuchs. So Ashpenash is, um, is like the chief of staff to Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? The king, Nebuchadnezzar, spoke to Ashpenash, the master of the eunuchs, uh, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed, and of the princes. All right? Here's Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar tells his chief of staff, Ash, uh, chief of staff uh, Ashpenash, look through the children of Israel, Find the children that are of a noble birth, basically, royal bloodline here, and bring them to me. Okay, now we don't know how many of these uh, there are, but there are quite a number of people, uh, quite a number of children that are of noble birth, and some that have a royal bloodline. He says, bring them to me. So now he has captured, listen, he has captured all of Jerusalem. The people of God are now under enemy control. 
Okay, and the king sends out a royal decree. He sends it out uh, to Ashpenash, who is like his chief of staff, and he tells them to bring the children in that are, are, that are of a noble birth. Now, let me read this to you, uh, verse 3 and 4 out of, the New, out of the New Living Translation. makes it a little bit easier to understand. And it says, Then the king ordered Ashpenash, uh, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites, uh, from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defects, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to learn, rather qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and uh, literature of the Babylonians, or the Chaldeans, the King James says. All right, so Nebuchadnezzar is now calling into service all of those that are of noble birth or royal line, uh, the children. He's calling all of them in. That's what we see in verses uh, 1, 2, and 3, and 4. So this sets the scene. I want you to see this because unless you understand this, you're not going to understand what, what's happening next, okay? So he calls in this large group of children. They could be a, a, ranging from ages maybe six or so up until uh, their, their late teens. He's calling them in for service, to serve this king. Not to serve God, of course, not to serve Jehovah God, but he's calling them in to serve him. All right, look at verse number five. And the king appointed them a daily portion of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. All right, here's the, here's the thing. He calls them in, and then the king says, I want you to eat the food that I eat. Okay, eat the food that I eat, of course, including meat. I want you to drink the drink that I drink. Now, here's the thing. The king's meat and the king's drink were all offered as oblations or sacrifices to the gods that he served. Okay? They brought their cows or whatever, their animals, they slaughtered them, they sacrificed them, and then they offered them up to their gods, God uh, Nebo and uh, Shishak, they, and many others. They offered them up to their gods, and then they brought the meat in for the king to eat. Same thing they did with the wine he drank. Okay, so right away, there is a problem here. Okay, there is a problem here. And it says, now listen, so that was the scene. Verse 6 says, now among these were the children of Judah. Listen, here's some famous names. Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah. Four, four names here. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. All right. Now they're about to change their names. Okay. We're going to go into the names in just a moment. He gave them names. Um, for, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah uh, of Shadrach. To Mishael. Uh, to uh, rather of Meshach. Changes to Meshach. And to Ezariah of Nebendigo. So he changed all their names. So you remember the story of the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Where did they come from? 
Of course, these were part of the original four that stood up against the king. Okay, now you're going to see them here as well, standing up against the king even in the very beginning. Now, we're going to go into what their names meant and what they were actually giving up. But I want you to see something in verse number 8 before we go into that. Verse 8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of eunuchs that he might not defile himself. All right. Daniel said, I'm not going to defile myself. Defile, the word defile here means polluted. I'm not going to pollute myself. I'm not going to pollute the Lord's temple. Remember, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What's happening here is that the king is trying to indoctrinate them to his society. He's trying to conform them until unto his image. Now, it is very common, and even up into the days of slavery, when, when another person was bought by another person, when they became in servitude, very common that they would change the person's name. Like they may have changed the name Kutakinte to Toby, you know, whatever. Okay? Whatever. Very common that when they owned you, they changed your name. Why? Because they wanted you to forget where you came from. Your name was a reminder of the God that you served and the place where you lived. So by changing the name, they wanted to erase out your heritage. They wanted you to forget about it, forget uh, the God that you served, forget the place where you lived, forget your home. And now I'm giving you something new. Okay? Very common practice. Now, this is also done in a good way because we know that God also changed the people's name. He changed Abram to Abraham, right? Forget all that. Forget the place you came from, da-da-da, because I'm now trying to change you into something else. He changed Jacob's name to Israel, right? He changed uh, the Lord Jesus changed, um, changed uh, Paul's, rather, Saul's name to Paul, Forget about the past. Forget about your days of hunting down and killing Christians because I'm about to make you something else now. All right. So it's very common. So what we need to look at and see is um, as as King Nebuchadnezzar changed their names, uh, he was trying to indoctrinate them into his practices and his beliefs, wanting them to leave their things behind. Now, Daniel's name, you can make note of this, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. God is my judge. Uh, and he, when he changed his name to Belshazzar, Belshazzar meant uh, Lord of the straightened treasure. Or uh, it could also mean uh, Bell's prince. Uh, that, that is he whom Bell favors, Baal. Okay, Baal was one of the gods that Nebuchadnezzar served. Now, notice in the name Belteshazzar, you hear the word, hear the letters Baal, right? Belteshazzar. So when they called uh, the man formerly known as Daniel, when they called him Belteshazzar, they were actually calling on the name of their god, saying Daniel, telling him, remember the name Belteshazzar means, one translation is the one who Baal favors, Bell to Shazar. Bell favors you. No, I don't want Bell's favor. I want God's favor in my life. Okay? 
Now notice the spelling of Daniel. Daniel. We say Daniel. But actually, if you look in the word, look at the word Daniel. Uh, let's look at this for a second. Let me write it down. What? D-A-N-I-E-L. L. L is the name of God. L, like Elohim, right? Like El Elyon. We're going to look at some of the names of God. I want to show you some of these. So Daniel refers to God, or Daniel refers to God. There is uh, El, several cases in the Old Testament we see God's name uh, used with El, like El Shaddai, that is God, the Lord God Almighty, El Elyon, uh, the Most High God. Uh, Elohim, of course, means God. Um, Elohim means uh, the everlasting God. So when you say El, when Daniel, when people called his name, uh, when he said, I am Daniel, I'm Daniel. I'm saying God is my judge. He's reminded of the God, the one true God that he serves. Are you hearing? This is wonderful. Now, as you look through the names as well, uh, you saw Hananiah, Hananiah, ending uh, in the, the two letters A-H, uh, 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 is also a reference to, reference to the one true God. In the Old Testament, he's also called Jehovah or Yahovah, okay, giving a reference to God. So Hananiah, one of the, one of the four children, uh, his name meant God has favored, God has favored and his name was changed to um, uh, Shadrach. And Shadrach, Shadrach means uh, young friend of the king. It could also mean rejoicing in the way or royal or the great scribe. So um, the king was wanting to remove God's favor out of Hananiah's life by changing his name. Okay, your name means a great deal. So Hananiah, of course, giving reference to Jehovah, and uh, the word Jehovah is used in several cases in the, in the Old Testament. We have Jehovah or Yehovah Nisi, which means the Lord my banner, or uh, Jehovah Rapha, uh, which means the Lord uh, is my healer. Uh, we have Jehovah uh, Shammah, which means the Lord is there. Uh, Jehovah Tiskunu, which means the Lord, our righteousness. And it goes further on. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. And um, it just goes further on. So their names all had very spiritual implications. Are y'all still with me today? I have to give you all of this information so that you can understand where we're going. Okay. If you don't understand what's taking place, you won't comprehend what's about to come later on. So the king is changing their names, He's changing their names, trying to erase their past, trying to make them forget about the laws of God, the word of God, so that they can readily accept the king's new doctrine or the king's new culture that he wants to imprint upon them. Now, why is this important? Because the same thing has, is happening and has happened to the body of Christ today. The world wants to imprint itself on you and cause you to think and to reason like it does. It wants you to get wrapped up in its worldly theology. There is a theology that the world has that has nothing to do with the Bible. 
The world tells you through movies and through media, if you want to cast out a, if you want to cast out a devil, uh, get you a wooden stake and put it in somebody's heart. Get you a silver bullet. Or find some witch, find a good witch and have an incantation and you can get that devil on out the house. Are you hearing? Well, the word of God is very clear. You cast out devils and demons by the name of Jesus. There's no mention of these things. Right? The world's doctrine says if it feel good, then you do it. They say you better try it out before you buy it. And a lot of the churches has caught into that. That's why we have all these um, sexually transmitted diseases in the body because we've been trying to try each other out before we marry them. <laughs> the doctrine of the world has come into the church. And there are sexual sins in the pulpits as well as in the pew. Amen. In many places, there's very little difference uh, from a club from the appearance of a club and the appearance of the church. Hallelujah. There needs to be a revolution. There needs to be a change. Meanwhile, many that call themselves Christians are so busy pointing their fingers at other people and they're not living the life themselves. God has made, if God has made you an apple, you don't have to condemn anybody else that's not an apple. You just be the best apple you can be. And they'll see how good God is in your life. Amen. You don't have to reach and condemn them for what they're doing. Your very presence will do that. If we're living the life that Jesus has spoken and uh, commanded us to live. All right. Hallelujah. So these four came before the prince of the uh, the prince of the eunuchs and said, hey, we cannot, we refuse to defile ourselves with the king's meat. The king's meat was delicious. This was the king's meat. This is not the peasant's meat. This was the king's meat. His meat was delicious. I mean, baby, 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 baby back ribs. I mean, there's some good stuff. The finest cut choices no fat on these ribs finest cut meat his wine was the finest in the land this was the king's wine so it was sweet and yummy and it was a sweet and yummy that attracted many others now remember there were more than just four children these are just four that stood up and said no but the others did not say no they they were enticed by the king's meat they were enticed by the king's wine. So they became, with the king's wine, of course, uh, they began to lose their sobriety, began to lose who they were, their definition. They began to laugh at the same nasty jokes after a while. Ha, 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 ha. They began to go the same places that they, the others went. Ha, ha, ha. They began to lose who they were as they ingested the king's meat and ingested the king's wine. So true is the body of Christ today. It's hard to tell in some cases if one person is Christian and another person is of the world. Because no one has made a distinction. And if we make a distinction, they will make a decision. But there must be a difference between darkness and light first. This means that the Lord is going to have to detox us from eating the king's meat. 
He's going to have to take out the desire, take out the flavor from our mouth so that we won't desire those things. So we, so we won't desire those forms of entertainment. We won't desire those type of books, those type of websites. We won't desire to hear those type of stories or go around those type of people. The Lord's going to change our thought process he is going to transform us by the renewing of our mind but he must first get the taste out of our lips out of our tongue i can't get no talk up in here we're so enamored with the things of the world that we think we have to have it when we do not so there's going to come a period of time of blandness as the Lord gets us off of the addictions of the world, off of the king's meat, off of the king's wine. He's going to begin to uh, give us the cool water and the water is going to begin to uh, uh, detox our taste buds. And for a while it may seem boring and bland, but what happens is the more you eat of the devil's meat, the more you want to have. It's kind of like you drink soda when you're hungry. Rather, yes, thank you, Jesus. Drinking soda when you're thirsty. No matter how much soda you drink when you're thirsty, you're still going to be thirsty. You're still going to be thirsty. It doesn't quench it. It just gives you a, a sugary taste uh, that your taste buds are craving for. And I know what I'm talking about. Are you understanding? So there must come a detoxing period when we ask the Lord to, uh, to search our hearts, to try us and know our thoughts. We ask him to cleanse us and wash us from the delicacies of the world. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. When there is a clean and clear distinction, there must be a revolution. There must be a change. In many cases, now please forgive me, but this is true. In many cases, people don't come to church to lay on the altar. They come to find out who they can lay with when they go home. <laughs> and you know I'm telling the truth. The church has become a pickup, a pickup spot. But that is not supposed to be. Are you hearing? And so there needs to be a change. We're talking about excelling uh, and being motivated to excel above the norm. In many places, we don't clap because the, of the lyrics of the song in praise and worship. We clap because we like the beat. And worship, praise and worship is not about worshiping him. It's about hearing our favorite song and then we'll move to it. I know it's tight. But it's right. It is time we stop eating the king's meat. The Bible says very clearly in the book of 2 Corinthians, come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you, says the Lord. That, is, that does not mean that we're supposed to go out and, 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 and buy some houses together and fence, fence the houses in and we're all going to pull together and we're going to be in this, in this big commune and we're going to wait for the for the hell bop comet to come along and the spaceship to come and carry us away. No, God needs you right where you are. Remember the Bible does not declare that does not declare that we should go witnessing. It says that we are to be his witnesses, be his witness. If you go witness, you can take on Jesus. You can take him off. You've heard people say, I'm going to put my legend down. If you keep messing with me, don't make me put my legend down. 
Your Christianity should not be something that you can take on and take off. It should be who you are. You should be a man or woman of God. You declare that of yourself. You don't have to have a collar or a degree or a certificate. You should call yourself a man of God and declare, I'm, if you're a man, say, I'm a man of God. If you're a woman, say, I'm a woman of God. Say it, say it, say it about yourself now. You need to say that about yourself. Are you hearing? God said his people are holy. He said his people are holy. Now here again, the king's meat, the king's drink are scrumptious. Are scrumptious and they are very enticing. And the smell about picks you up by the nose and, and takes you away. But his meat and his drink has been offered up to idols. His meat and his drink will cause condemnation and will pollute your entire life. It will pollute your mind. It will pollute your home. It will rob you of your marriages, rob you of your relationships, rob you of your grades or your grade point averages in school while you eat the king's meat. If you continue to eat his meat, drink his wine, it will intoxicate you in such a way that you will think that Jesus is weak and that he cannot help you in the areas of your life. We're almost done. I thank God that you're with me today. So Daniel stands up to the prince of eunuchs and says, hey, I will not defile myself with the king's meat. No. He stood up along with the others, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and said, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. But the king of the eunuchs, I mean, the prince of the eunuchs, uh, he said, uh, you know, I, I, he said, my life is going to be in danger if I don't give you what the king says. So he gave Daniel a negative response. But Daniel didn't stop there. In verse 11, he goes to, um, goes to uh, Melzar, whom uh, the prince of the eunuchs had set over him. Set over Daniel, um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah. He goes to the guard that's over them, the guard that's holding them, and says, look, if you, if you will let us just eat, uh, King James says pulse. Pulse is simply vegetables. They said, if you will let us eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days, just try us out for 10 days. You hold the king's meat, hold the king's drink back, his wine, all that for 10 days. And then after 10 days, look on us and look at the others. What others? The others from Israel. Look at us and look on, look on them. Now, here's the separation. Now, Israel, talks, Israel was, was God's uh, church in the Old Testament. So there are some in the church that will stand up and say, no, I don't want that pornography. No, I'm not going to watch that television show. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I, I don't curse, so I, don't, I refuse to hear anybody else curse around me. Boy, it's quiet. Four that stood up out of, some, out of so many. Four that stood up and said, no, I don't want. He said, look at us. We're going to stay on God's diet plan. We're going to adhere to the word of God. Look at us in 10 days. Look at us and look at them. And um, Melzar said, all right, fine. 10 days. We'll do it. So he took the king's meat away, took the king's wine away. And after 10 days, 
Daniel and Mishael and Hananiah and uh, Hezariah, or rather Azariah, they looked better and King James says more fair than the others. They looked better. And so he kept them on that same diet plan. And after the whole years were accomplished, after three years accomplished, they were brought, brought before the king. You read this yourself in the first chapter of Daniel. They were brought before the king, and these four men were ten times better. The scripture says ten times better in all areas than all the others who had compromised. You see, in life, you'll have many chances to compromise. David had a chance to compromise when he was called to uh, fight Goliath. King Saul said, hey, take my armor, put this on. He tried it, no, it won't work. Take it off. It's not for me. You have many opportunities in life to compromise your stand with God, to compromise what God has given to you. But it's time for us to bring these things into question. It is time for us to pray, Lord, uh, help me to hate what you hate. Help me to love what you love. Help me to accept what you accept. Help me to reject what you reject. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Are you hearing? It's time for us to question all these things that make us uh, become midnight ramblers or midnight streetwalkers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everything that gives you an itch and you feel like you got to go and scratch is time for us to question, begin to question all of it. Is it of God? God's word must become absolute in our lives. Just because the world says it's okay, how does God feel about it? The world is promoting homosexuality. The world is promoting it, but what does God say about it? God says he loves the person, but he hates the lifestyle. Are you hearing? God says he loves those two people that are, mad, that are not married in the bed. He loves them, but he hates what they're doing. Hallelujah. He loves the liar, but he hates the lies. Are you hearing? It's time for us to love what God loves, accept what he accepts. It's time for us to get off of the king's meat. We're going to have to be weaned away from it. And God help us men in this day and time. You can't go into Kroger or any other place without looking over the magazine and seeing some half-naked woman. <laughs> what does she have to do about a car or anything else? Why do I have to keep seeing nakedness? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God help you ladies. You can't help but go places and, and see um, all these Harlequin romance novels and, and all this other stuff that's going on. And, and it seems like the world is always trying to show you that what you have is bad and what they have is good and all this other stuff. They're constantly trying to tear you down and show you that you don't have anything to give you something else. It's time for us to come out from among them. To get weaned off of the king's meat, to get weaned off of the king's wine, and free up our taste buds. And once your taste buds are clear, I'm telling you, you'll really begin to like fruit again. You really begin to like, I don't know who it was, I don't know if you're in here or not, but I'm telling you anyway. Some people, one person said, I don't like water. 
It preferred drink. I don't like water. I prefer drink. Why? Because of the taste buds. There's so much in the taste buds. If we get detoxed from all that, you won't need all that anymore. And you find water is actually delicious. When you got the right kind, anyway. Some of them ain't so delicious. But you understand what I'm talking about. Okay? So as God gets us off these things, and we'll discover that his way is actually the best way. His way is actually ten times better, as Daniel discovered it, as they discovered it, ten times better than the other. Young ladies, you don't, you, listen, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. So I'm looking at my daughter and others. Young man says he loves you. You don't have to do the naughty, naughty stuff. If he loves you, he'll wait. Young men, please, I'm looking at my son too. Because some girls are very aggressive these days. I can't get no talk. You don't have to do the naughty, naughty stuff. Wait until you get married. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So, this is just a little foreshadowing what we're going to talk about in 2013. Praise the Lord. Somebody has got to see it. So, it's time to get off of the king's meat. It's time to question our entertainment. Oh, but my TV. Oh, my TV. Oh, my TV. It's time to question our entertainment. Hallelujah. I'm not only speaking to you, I'm speaking about me too. If we got to mute the TV every five seconds, it's time to question our entertainment. If we got to keep fast forwarding, it's time to question our entertainment. I'm not sure if I'm coming back to this church anymore. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to get you off of the king's meat. Off of his wine, so we can truly enjoy the things that God has for us. The Bible says, uh, the Lord tells the children of Israel, as they're right there by the Mount, I think Mount Sinai, he told them, told Moses to tell the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. You're going to see great things. You're going to see signs, wonders, miracles. Sanctify yourself. Pull yourselves apart from that stuff. Okay? I'm not telling you to use your willpower and say, no, I'm going to do this and that and the other. No, it's not going to work. I'm telling you because the king's meat has a strong taste. And then baby back ribs taste mighty good. Okay? His wine is like liquor. And we've been on it for quite a while. Y'all see what I'm, you know what I'm talking Do you understand what I'm saying? We've been on the taste of the world for quite a while. Quite a while. Taking, we've been buying what they've been selling for quite a while. It's time for us to get off of that. Children of Israel in the wilderness, they said, though, we long for the flesh pots of Egypt. Children of Israel in the wilderness, longing. God gave them manna and he gave them quail, gave them water out of rocks. But they long for the flesh pots of Egypt. Read it yourself. They long for what was in the world. Why? It's time for us to get off of that. 
and truly see that what God has is better. Is it going to be scary? Of course it is. If it's scary, then that means that you know it has a hold on you. If you know it has a hold on you, you know you can also break it. Is it scary to anybody? I don't know. I can't get nobody to talk. I don't get one or two people to talk. I'm not asking you to leave your homes or leave your school or, or, or quit work. I'm asking us to start in prayer and asking God, look in my heart. Take out of me the things that are not like you. Help me change my desires. Because if you don't desire it, you won't even want it. If you don't want it, then when it comes around, it won't bother you. You understand? Let's give God a hand of praise. We're done in Jesus' name. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.